Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. He is good. How many of you guys really believe that? Can I ask you a question? Do you believe it when things don't go the way you planned them to go? Yeah, I like that. It takes a minute, right? It takes a minute to recognize, wait a minute. It may not be going the way that I thought it should, but God is still in control. He's still at work. And you know what? He's working it out for my good, even though I thought in my limited thinking that I knew how to work it out for my good. But he works it out even better. I was thinking about this. I was going to dinner with um, Anthony Johnson and his wife, Teresa, and uh, we were talking about it. She was telling me about uh, leaving her old job and going to a new job. And I said, what took you so long to be able to leave that job? You don't mind me telling this, do you? Okay, just checking. I'm already telling and then I ask, I know. And I said, what took you so long to to leave your job? And she said it was fear. She said, I just couldn't see that there was something out there that could compare and be better than where I am right now. Although I'm dealing with covering everybody else's and trying to make it work. She was struggling because she lost sight that, hey, wait a minute. God is in control and he'll work it out for your good. And as soon as she made the decision to say, God, I trust you all the way, even though it doesn't look like a, a, a step forward. Right. And where I'm going. I'm going to trust you. And when she went, things are so much better. You make more money. She has more time. All the things that she thought or had as fears. God worked them out even better than she could have planned. Is that correct? Amen. We got to learn how to trust him even when it doesn't look like he's at work because he is amen amen i want to keep going man last week uh we we had a little faux pas we didn't get a chance so those of you who've been looking for the podcast last week's message we didn't get it recorded so what i'm going to do is i'm going to record it again later not today okay but um we're going to continue on with the message works doing what jesus did and i want us to start And really, it's all contained in John chapter four. And we're going to read just verses one through twenty six. Can we read that all together? I'm going to read it all to you and then we'll go back and break it down. And I'm going to ask just just a little bit more down on the microphone, just a little bit. All right. John chapter four, starting in verse one, are we ready? If you dare say amen. All right. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not his disciples, uh, excuse me, not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee and he must needs go through Samaria. It was important that he went through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, uh, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. That's big, but we don't have time to talk about that today. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink and his disciples were gone away 
unto the city to buy meat. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this, that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband for thou hast had five husbands and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband in that saith thou truly. The woman saith unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem, nor yet in Jerusalem, uh, worship the father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We, nurse, uh, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is, leave out A, that's, that's something they added at their transgression. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So it's so much in that. It's so much of significance and so much of uh, different things that if we break it down into a modern vernacular, you're going to get a lot more out of this than King James, because how many of you have read that passage before? All right, handful of you guys have read that passage before. I want us to first, I want to first give you a little backstory. Listen, uh, the Samaritans and the Jews um, had had um, a, a difference that went all the way back into Old Testament that came along because of the birth of the people that lived in Samaria. And it was uh, thought of as a negative birth. Okay, that they had come out of sin. And so the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. That meant they spent no time together. Matter of fact, most people would not go through Samaria. uh, Samaria, If they were Jews, they would go around. Okay, now it was the most direct route to get where they were going. But they were so uh, adamant against going and dealing with the Samaritans. They wouldn't even go through it. They would go all the way around. Okay, and so. This was a major thing for Jesus to have gone into Samaria. Now, I want to I want to first say, why is it that he's leaving Judea? Most of us miss this because there are a couple of reasons why he's leaving. One, 
the, the Pharisees in the place, okay, one of the Pharisees in the place were starting to be an uprising, starting to get his name out there and start to say, hey, man, we don't like this guy. He's baptizing people. He's doing the same thing as John. And John, you know, we just had to behead John and we're having some trouble with this guy. Let's start getting after him. But he also had people in the town because the Pharisees were saying that he was baptizing everybody. That he had a lot of people who were fanboys. You guys know what fanboys are, right? People who were chasing him down, wanted to get an autograph, wanted to touch him, wanted to hang out with him because they knew that what he was doing, they wanted some of what he was doing. Okay, and so he was leaving the area because he says, look, man, I got to get away from the paparazzi. I got to get away from the fanboys. Right. That's what it was. It really was. I got to get away from all of this noise. And there is a second part of this. I've got to be able to go through Samaria, a place where people are saying that we're not supposed to be able to go because I've got to show them that I'm not just here for them. I'm here for everybody. Even the people that you don't think that we should we should associate with or that we have nothing in common with or even the people that you think and turn your nose down or up at. Right. I was watching a video. A buddy of mine sent me a video late Friday night, I believe it was. And it was a video of a man who had gone to uh, he was going through the city and I forgot what the city was. But as the city, he just happened upon a, a satanic worship. Uh, uh, thing and my buddy said this he said this hurt my heart because I would have been one of the people that would have said those people just need Jesus turned my nose up and left right but this guy instead went to the person he, he found one person who was willing to talk to him and just began to share with him his story of where he came from and he told the guy that Jesus loves you even where you are. He didn't try to he didn't try to 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 ask him to get saved that day. All he did was just embrace him. Pray with him. Love on him. You could see the guy go from rebellion, right? You could see him really go from rebellion like, man, come on, who looking at me talking to this guy? Who's watching, right? I don't want to hear what you have to say. To you could see his countenance change just from a little bit of love. And here is Jesus doing exactly what this guy did or, or this guy doing what Jesus did in this uh, situation, going into a place where people said these people are nobodies. We shouldn't be messing with them. And he went in and he showed love. That's something that we as a church have got to get better at, because when he said it, when my buddy said it and said it, I actually said to myself, I'd probably do the same thing. I wouldn't go in and cause conflict. I'd let them go ahead and do their parade and just silently judge on the side. And so here is Jesus going into this place and he's going to tell her something crucial. That's why he had to go there, because it needed to be put in the book. People needed to see it. They needed to hear that Jesus, who had come to the Jews, had also come to the rest of the world. Now, if we look at verse, uh, uh, let's look at, at uh, verse nine. I want to jump down to verse nine. And actually, let's go, let's go to seven. And, and, and he says, there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus says unto her, give me to drink. 
for his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. But but here's what the lady responds. Now, this is something that you got to hear because we think of it differently. But I want you to hear it properly. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Listen, the lady was saying, listen. Why are you asking me for something? You want something from me and you want me to give it to me, but you ain't got time for me no other time. Being a woman of Samaria, but now you want something from me. See, we miss the connotation because we read it how we think it's supposed to be. But the truth is, she's mad. Why are you bothering me? Why are you bothering me with this? You, you don't never talk to me, but now you want something from me. And she's angry. I want us to ask this question and I wrote it down because God was uh, so I I worked a long time last night, too long, I think. Um, And as I was getting home early this morning, God was speaking to me on my drive. And I I wrote this down because I want us to see this. When Jesus asked the lady for water. She became angry because he asked her for something when she didn't think that he had her best interest in mind. Did you hear that? She became angry. But the thing about it is, is this. Jesus asked the lady for water. Most of us would have missed our blessing. Listen at this, because before he gave her the blessing, he asked or required something of her. He gave her an opportunity to sow a seed. I wonder how many of us miss the blessings of God because we want everything to be done for us. I'm going to say that again. I wonder how many of us miss the blessing of God because we want everything to be done for us. And when something is required, we're not willing to do it or get mad. How many miss it? Now, here she was in this situation where she could have been and missed the whole blessing. She thought, right, that he was trying to get something for her and she didn't know his heart. Right. Because we're going to see in just a second. She really didn't know his heart. The truth of the matter is we do know his heart that he wasn't trying to get something from her. He was trying to get something to her. He even told her that. He even told her he was trying to get something to her. But let me tell you the next part. First, she got angry. Then the second thing you're going to see is she misinterpreted what he said. Let me show you how. Come on. Come on. Let's look at this. This is good. This is real good. She said this. He says, he says, uh, when she asked that, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God. Now, wait a minute. You got to remember, she don't know him. She doesn't know him. Okay, and he says, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith give uh, uh, to thee, give me uh, to drink, thou wouldest have said of him and he would have given thee living water. And she says, "Okay, now, now, okay, my bad, my bad. I misunderstood what you were asking me the first time. Now I got it. You don't really want water. You don't really want water. You want something else. See, now she doesn't know Jesus and we don't like to hear this. We don't like to hear this. 
But she misinterpreted. I didn't say this was what Jesus was offering. She misinterpreted his good for him wanting something else from her. You know what, ladies, um, how men, they come and they tell you and they like, you know, hey, baby, what's going on? What's your name? Can I buy you a drink? That's what she was interpreting because she asked him, she says, listen, listen, you, you really want water. You come here, you sit in my water well and you ain't got nothing to draw with. Why are you here? You know, the ladies come to the well. That's where they go. They come there at the time to come get their water for their family and for the cattle. You knew I was going to be here. You must have seen me around town. No, this is really what's happening here, because listen, and the water's deep because she says, she says, are you greater than our fathers? Come on, come on, man, be real. And Jesus answered and said unto her, he said some things. And then listen to this, listen to this. Then he goes on and now she changes her tune just a little bit. Listen, she changes her tune. And the woman says unto her, after he explains to her a little more, the woman said unto him, sir, give me this water. Now she ain't mad no more. Now she's sweet. Because she's figuring out something. This man might have something I want. You know how I know? Because look at this. Jesus realizes that she misinterprets what he's saying. And he says, now go call your husband. Go get your husband. Let me make it clear. I'm not trying to get at you. Go get your husband. And she says, this is an opportunity for me to say, I ain't married. The man that, I don't have no husband. And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, you, you said right. You told me the truth. The man you with ain't your husband, but you already had five of them. You looking for me to be number six. Right? And this is what she's saying in this. Now she's sweet from being, she's a Sour Patch kid. She was angry on the front side, now she's sweet. Right? And she's sweet and she says, I want this water. Can you give me some water now? I want it. And he's explaining to her, go get your husband. I'm not trying to get you what you think I'm trying to get you. You've misinterpreted what I'm bringing. I wonder how many of us misinterpret the things that are being presented to us. Not necessarily seeing them as from God, but we see them from the person, the vessel that he's got bringing it. And we misinterpret their their motives and intentions. And we miss out on the blessing because we mishandle what's being brought. I wonder how many of us do that. So here we are and here we are now. And this is the thing I want to get to. I want to keep going because I don't want to miss out. I got to stay on my notes because I I don't want to miss anything. But Jesus is legitimately in this place. He's legitimately asking her for water, but he really wants to get water too because he understands this thing. Remember what we said, listen, remember what we said before, that water represents the word. Ephesians 5, 26. Let's go there real quick. Ephesians 5 and 26. It's talking about husbands to their wives. Remember that Christ is the groom. We are his bride. He's saying this and he says, oh, he's not there. Let me go read it. He's there. It says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. How? What's water? What's the water? 
by the word. So what he's really trying to get to her is he's trying to get some word to her because he needs to change how she what? Thinks. The whole purpose of this is to change how she thinks, how she perceives what's going on. That's the whole point of the water that he's talking about or a a major portion of the water that he's talking about. Is that he's trying to get her to see clearly. Water will wash away the wrong thinking, the wrong things that have crossed your mind. And we've already seen she already had two wrong assumptions. We really know three because if she had five husbands and they ain't all died, something may be wrong in thinking. I'm not blaming her, but I'm just saying she's the only thing that's constant in the story. So there may be some wrong thinking and seeing improperly and she needs to see clearly so he's trying to get water to her but then the next thing that i love in this in verse 19 through 24 19 through 24 now that he starts to say this stuff to her now she turns on christianese right christianese that comes out man and, and let me tell you i love this when i go places and people are talking and and i know when steve and i would be working at uh, uh doing bread and i'd help him out in the mornings we'd be doing bread and people would be cussing all around and then steve would say i want to introduce you to my pastor <laughs> and as soon as he say that steve am i not telling you everybody changed their conversation all the cussing stopped All the things, now they start telling you about how, yeah, I used to go to church once upon a time. And I used to, you know, and then they start telling about their grandmama's cousin, sister, brother that went to church. It always changes up as soon as they start to perceive something different about you. And now here she's perceived it. Now she goes into Christianese and she says, she says, the woman saith unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that uh, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she goes from him getting water from the well, the water, and the conversation now shifts from water to worship. This is not by happenstance. This is by design. God is trying to show us something about water and worship. And so he goes on and Jesus begins to say, and I don't have to read all those things again, but he tells a woman, believe in me. Oh, excuse me, believe me, the hour coming when thou shalt neither in this mountain nor yet in, in Jerusalem or yet at Jerusalem worship the father. Then he goes down and he says this, ye worship, ye know not what we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Remember, that's important. Because as we change how we think, we can see clearly. But the hour coming and now is when true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him. Now, I I need to to say something before before I go into that. I need to say as they're shifting, there's something else that needs to be done. He he was he was stating the importance of water and water is the word. I, I heard a pastor say this. And uh, when I check the statistics, I got a different statistic, but I'll give you both. OK, he said that less than five percent of church people or uh, of, yeah, of church people, five percent read their Bibles regularly. Less than five percent. Now, when I looked it up, it said about 19 percent of people. OK, 
19 percent. So somewhere between 19 and five or 19, just 19 percent. We'll just say that somewhere in there is a proper statistic of people getting the word. And Jesus is sitting and he has to go into Samaria and he has to do something. And he begins to explain the importance of the word to this woman. He's he's clearly stating this word is important. And many of us don't even spend time reading the word. Now, there's something I want to say about that before I go on, because I got to get back to worship. Got to get back to worship. But if I miss this, I've done an injustice. I, I want I want us to remember this. There are three reasons that we don't read our Bibles. One, we don't want to. So we don't. That's true, right? We just don't want to. Okay. Two, we don't understand it. So we give up. Right? How many of you ever been there? You're like, I don't understand it. You got bored and you got tired and left. Anybody done that before? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Third, we think we know it all and we don't need to read. If you read the Bible through once, you say, ah, I read that. Good read, but I got it now. I want us to understand everyone struggles in some area to want to read and to understand. But by faith and the leading of his Holy Spirit, I must press in daily and read. Okay, everybody struggles in some area. And one of these areas I struggle. Sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I don't understand. Sometimes I'm, I feel like that. You cannot tell you something I've heard. I've heard in the past week. I've heard six different pastors talk about David and Goliath. How many of you guys think you know that whole story? Right. But guess what? There's so much more. Did you? Okay, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I know, I know, I need to hurry. I'm looking at time, but I need to hurry. So let me tell you this. How many of you, well, let me see how to say this so it's really clear. How many of you have been married five, six years at least? How many of you, in the, in, in the time that you've been married, those six years, you learned something new about your spouse during that time? Say, how many of you have been married 10 years? And you, at least 10 years. And you know, you learn something different about your spouse. I've been married 20 something years and there's still things that I'm learning about my wife. There's still things that I'm learning. I don't know it all just because I know her. Just because we've been together for two, well, longer than that, but but been married for 23 years. That, listen, that doesn't mean I know it all. Did you know the word of God is Jesus? Do you think you know all of Jesus? When we read this, he is illuminated to us. It is so we can see clearly and in seeing clearly, listen, we can see. Remember what I said last week? We can see what God says about us. I can see how good God is. I can see how he always has my good in mind and I can see the most important piece, what he says about me. That's what I see in his word. And so anytime I feel less than 
instead of going to someone, listen, instead of going to that, that, that guy that's at work that says nice things to me or that girl that's over here that says nice things to me, instead of going to the television, instead of going to the whatever it is to make me feel better, instead of putting someone else down to make me feel better, where should I go? I should go to the word. Shouldn't I go to the one who made me to know what he has to say about me? If I would just go there, it would build me. I'd be encouraged to be able to go on. I wanted to make sure that I said that. That's important about the word. You must gain the word, regardless of whether you want to, regardless of whether you don't understand or you think you know it all. You must continue to read his word. All right, now back to worship. Okay, sorry. Sidebar, but back. So here he is, and it shifts from water to worship. The thing is, when I begin to see clearly who God is and what he says about me, it causes me to do something. What? Worship. When people tell me that they struggle in worship, that means that they haven't been getting the word. They don't know how good God is and what he says about them. So it causes you to struggle to worship. And Jesus is saying, if I give you this water to drink and if you'll drink it and continue to drink it, you'll begin to see clearly and it will cause you not to have to worship in this hill or at Jerusalem. You can worship right where you are. Amen. You won't lose sight of it and your your conversation will stop being negative. It will stop being death. It'll only be worship no matter what you're going through. Right. When things go bad, you'll still be worshiping because you'll know what God has said that throughout this whole book, he has never failed. He's never failed. He's always worked it for someone's good, even when it didn't look like it to them. I remember, the, you know, I was just telling you about the people talking about David and Goliath. I was thinking about this, that, that David, in order to get where he was going, had to listen, had to go through Goliath. If he hadn't killed Goliath, that was his way to do what, what, what Samuel had done in private of anointing him to be king. But that's what got him into the palace to be king. And David came with a stone, right? Right. Listen, he came with a stone, but he left with Goliath's sword and head. Because of, listen, that's God, God's way of getting you where you need to go. And sometimes it comes through opposition. Sometimes it comes through opposition. And if you only want good, then you'll miss the opposition. And in the opposition, you'll run. When your key to the palace was through the opposition. Your key to the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, may be in somebody else's hand. Do you understand this? And if you miss this, when you go through trouble, when you go through struggles, you'll fight God rather than worship God. You'll fight God rather than worship. It is so important to worship God. When I see Clearly, because of the water of the word, I will worship properly. The last thing is this, guys. I, 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 he says this. God is spirit. 
and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is getting to now I get the word. I begin to worship. It allows me to operate now in spirit. I need to teach you more about spirit because spirit is the most important piece next because Jesus says it's imperative that I leave so that I can leave you with the spirit. And the spirit is going to be the one who allows you to do the work. Can I take just five more minutes? You guys got five more minutes. I see some of you sleep already, but that's okay. That's okay. Wake up. But it may be the only place, you know, listen, I'll say this. I got to talk about spirit. But 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 I remember when we used to go into the prisons. My brother and I used to go into the prison and there were uh, people that would be in, in the chairs and there would always be these four guys and they would always fall asleep every time. And I was like, God, man, we that boring. We that boring. They're going to fall asleep. And the guys came up to us one time. It was probably after about maybe uh, a few months of us being there. They came up to us and they said, hey, listen, I, I want to make it clear. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but we want to make it clear that we're not sleeping because you're boring. We're sleeping because we have so much peace when we're here. And this is the only time that we get peace. And so it changed my perspective. Instead of being mad at them sleeping, I was like, okay, I see what you're doing, God, that you're doing something in them, God. You're showing them your peace in the midst of them being in prison. Amen. So 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 the, the thing about it is that we can't misinterpret it. And God's saying to us that we need spirit and truth. Listen, I want you to understand this piece of doing what God did or the works that he did. Jesus said this. Let's go to. Um, let me see. Let me see if I can get these couple of scriptures out just real quick. Go to uh, John seven. Thirty eight. John seven. Thirty eight. We already see it still in that. Um, remember he said this in John 4 let me let me say this in John 4 and 10 he told her he said uh, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water did you see that you remember that in, in, in 4 and 10 four ten and 7 he says this in 738 he says and he that believeth on me why did he say on me not in me right why, why did he say on on me, as the scriptures have said, for out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Why did he say that? Let's see if he says that any other place. Go to John 14. Come on, 14 and 12. Here he is talking about as he's leaving and he talks about God doing the works, right? So in 11, uh, 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 in 10, he tells us that the father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe in me. See, believe me, excuse me, that I am in the father and the father in me or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth what? On, he's saying on again, me. The works that I shall do, uh, uh, the works that I do, shall he, he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. Let's look at that. Why don't, why don't we go to Luke uh, 3.22? Come on, quick, quick, quick. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. Just, just, just quick, quick. Quick, 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 quick. The Luke 3.22 says this, and the Holy Ghost ascended in a bodily shape like as a dove. This is that Jesus is being baptized uh, upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, thou art my beloved son, and thee I am well t- uh, pleased. Listen, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Let's make sure that that's clear. Let's make sure that that's clear. Okay, let's make sure that's true. Go to Luke 4, right there. You're right there, 4.18, and we're going to read through 21 real quick. The Spirit of the Lord is up on me. Right. 
The spirit of the Lord is up on me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance of the captives to the, uh, excuse me, to preach deliverance to the captives, recover your sight to the blind, to set a liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book. And then in verse 21, it says, and he gave it, uh, and he began to say, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears that the spirit of the Lord is up on him. Now, listen, this is, the, this is the last thing that I'm going to say. And it's important. It is the spirit that was on Jesus. When Jesus was anointed, and I said this, and I said this before, and we had almost half the church leave. Okay? Half, almost half the church left after I said this. I'm going to say it again because it's true. Amen. If you leave, you leave. Amen. Jesus was always the son of God because God impregnated Mary. He put the seed in Mary for her to give Jesus. But Jesus was not the Christ He was not the Christ until he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, then was he the anointed one. Right. Then was he the anointed one. That's why we see him no do no great miracles or anything before that moment. After that, now you see him do everything in ministry. But prior to that, he was still God's son. Amen. But he wasn't the Christ because the Christ is not Jesus's last name. It is a demarcation of who he is, the anointed one, meaning the spirit has been placed upon him without measure. All Holy Spirit was placed upon him. And if Jesus needs spirit upon him, so do we. But the way that we get there, the way that living water is going to flow is that the water of the word comes in. And as we worship, that water turns living. It begins to bubble. It begins to become active. And that is the operation of the spirit. Without Holy Spirit, as long as you deny him, as long as you fight against him, you will always be common people. You'll be just like everybody else. You will not be doing anything that will lead you for people to say, hey, there's something different. But once you get the word and you worship. Then it becomes active. And then you'll be able to do what Jesus did. He says, if you believe on me. Do you understand why the enemy fights against number one? You get in the word, because if you don't get the word, you won't understand who the spirit is. You won't understand the need for the spirit. First of all, you won't even see who you are. And you won't worship. But once you get once you get the word, then it allows you to see who you are, whose you are and why Holy Spirit is necessary and what he is capable of. And what Jesus has said, he said, it's important that I leave. Because while I'm here, all the Holy Spirit dwells on me. I have spirit without measure. You have none. Unless I say go with them for a moment. But when I leave, then I'm gone and I want you to wait on him. And when he comes back, boom, you shall receive power. The water that you have now will flow. It will be living. And you will do 
what is necessary. But if you're not getting word in, how can Holy Spirit begin to move? He has he has no ability to move when you have no water. When you have no water, he can't move. When you have no water, he can't move. Some of you have been in the same spot in your life. You've been saved for 20 some years and you're in the same spot. You're in the same spot. Don't nobody know you're a Christian? They just think you're the mean person. I don't mean that to be disrespectful. I just mean that to be true. Until you get some, until you get some word, the word is what changes you. It causes you to walk into a restaurant and people go, there's something about you. I don't know what it is. It gives you the opportunity when you sit down and meet somebody for the first time for God to have the opportunity to reflect love, to speak on their lives and cause them to break down. I remember Spencer and I were at a restaurant. Man, he saw a buddy of his that he had known. Uh, uh, the guy came and sat down and immediately God began to speak to me about the man. And I said, I'm sorry. I know you're going to think I'm crazy because you don't know me, but I'm going to tell you what God said. And I told him what God said. He began to cry. We prayed together. His whole life was changed. Is that true or am I lying? Is that true? If you'll just allow the spirit of God to move, but we're so busy missing out on the word. We know more about what the Kardashians say than what Jesus said. We know all the lyrics to the words of the song that we like at the moment, and we know nothing about what the scripture says. That's how we get duped into thinking cleanliness is next to godliness is the scripture, and it ain't. I'm sorry. That's why he said it's so important to get this word so that I can get you from where you are to change your thinking, to get you into worshiping, to make it spirit and truth. I got to get you there so that you can change the world. I need you to keep doing what I'm doing. I need you to keep doing what I'm doing. When I leave, it doesn't mean it stops. It means that you keep doing what I'm doing. That means raising the uh, raising the dead, healing the sick. Proclaiming the good news of God, the father. His return. I, I, I said this and I'm going to say it again. If we started doing that, this place couldn't contain the people. It wouldn't contain the people. If we just opened up and got outside of ourselves and said, I'm going to get the word and I'm going to just let the word be reflected. I promise you guys, there are times when I'm not, I don't feel spiritual. I don't feel, I feel man, I really feel like I'm, I'm in a low position. I'm in a low place and I'm really wrestling with some things. And I still, I go into restaurants, I'll be sitting in the restaurants and people turn the corner and hand, put a note on there telling me, I just sense God all over you. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it, it builds me up because I'm like, okay, God, I, I guess you still see me. But it had nothing to do with how I felt. It had everything to do with, am I going to allow God to move in me and through me? Will you let him? I know I've been preaching a long time. I'm sorry. But I want you to understand this. I want you to get it. If you get it, You'll start having those same experiences. I, I, I guess I kid you not. This that that's on a consistent basis, not because I tell people I'm pastor and that's not the same thing. Listen, I'm not bragging on me. I'm not trying to be arrogant. 
I can only tell you my story. That's my testimony. Amen. When I go places, there are things like that that happen all the time. I get ready to pay my bill. and My bill is paid all the time. Now that doesn't mean, listen, listen, that's not why I do it, but that's just a thing. And they leave a note saying it was just, just God. It was just God. I, I had to do it. Right? Will you take in the word and worship so that the spirit can be active? Will you? Will you? Will you? See, listen, it's a great message now, and most of you are already at your, your breaking point. Yeah, I got it. I got it. You're at your breaking point of hearing me. But don't miss what I'm saying. It's just like the lady who got angry and she would have missed the blessing. It's just, listen, it's just like when she misinterpreted it. She would have missed a blessing. Don't miss it for being antsy. Right? Get it. He knew you'd be here. He's speaking to you. He already told me this. I could have just sat at home and kept this. Right? He's speaking to you. So take it and implement it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word being true. I thank you for it being forever settled in heaven. Father God, I thank you that you are God. You are God. And you are good. And you are love. You have my best interest in mind. R.J. read earlier, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither of sh- neither shadow of turning. That's the God that you serve. That every good gift, he's getting to you. And the thing about it says he doesn't have any variables. It's not a, it's not a sometimey thing. It's an always thing. And there's no even shadow of him turning because he's always looking towards you. God is faithful and good. I just hear, I just hear 